Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. Change lives to heal lives. Amen. And we're grateful that God takes all the glory. Hallelujah. All right. Are you ready? Let's get into the Word this morning. Part 5. Don't worry, this is the last part. Okay? Uh, sustaining your first love. So, we'll do part five as our last part. And then we get into something next month by the grace of God. Let's, let's have a word of prayer together. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive. And together our faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray that light and understanding will come forth in and through your word. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. We're looking at sustaining your first love. And uh, I believe that... How many of you have been going through the outline at home? Okay. Just one and a half person. Come on. How many of you have been going through the outline at home? Okay. How many of you have not gone through it at home at all? You only open it when you show up on Sunday. Let me see. Okay. How many of you will not go through it at all after we finish this lesson? <laughs> okay, so let's go through it, okay? Hebrews chapter 2 verse 1. Hebrews 2, 1. And I taught a very good message in Ghana about the kingdom and the church. So if you got the report, download those messages and listen to them. I haven't taught them here before. But it was a very good conference. I like the fact that they gave me a topic that will stare the teaching grace. So it was very, very good. Um, Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 1. For this reason, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard. What we have heard, past tense, so that we do not drift away from it. Pay attention to that. It says... For this reason, we must pay much attention. The King James says we must give earnest heed. We must pay close attention to what we have heard. That means the things that have been communicated to you before. It says so that we do not drift away from it. Um, how many of you have... I, I'm not very good with... Uh, Knowing places. There are some people, if they drive through a route once, then they can drive it again. Alright? They can go through that route again. You know people like that, right? When you show them the road to your house once, you have to beg them, please don't come again. You thought they would forget, but they don't forget. You have people like that, right? Then you have people like these, that they will go to your house three times, and on the fourth one, they will still call you and say, I'm in front of your gate, which is your room. You have people like that, right? Now, I'm on this other side. Alright? So, I really don't get directions that that quick but how many times have someone given you a direction and you're going on the journey and then you just realize what did the person say is it the right mango tree or the left mango tree now because you didn't pay attention very close attention to what he was saying it will be possible for you to drift from your destination that means that you have to constantly 
put yourself in remembrance of the things you have learned. It's, it's your responsibility to go back again and listen to the messages again and feed your faith again. When I have a major project coming up or have something to do, I get my messages out, I get back to the Word, I feed myself in the Word again. What am I doing? I'm paying earnest attention to the things I have heard before. Can I tell you something? You will never excel in your Christian life without consistency. Never. There's no, there's no shortcut to it. They can give you a gallon of oil, one packet of handkerchief, four bishops can lay their hands on you, and three right reverend can decide to use their leg on your head. By the time all those ceremonies are over, you know what Paul will say? Call to remembrance the gift that is in you. Stir it up. You have a responsibility to remember the things you're taught. To go back and feed yourself on them again. Praise God. So, Paul says, we have to pay much closer attention to what we have heard. Past tense. What we have heard. So that we do not drift away from it. And I was, when I was teaching in Ghana, I was telling them about, sometimes we can be hungry for new revelations. Hmm? We want deeper mysteries in God. We want something fantastic. But I realized in my walk with God that one of the key things in life is about faithfulness. Stay faithful with the truth you know and more light will show up. Praise God. Stay faithful with what you know. Stay consistent with what you know and more light will show up. More light will show up. Stay persistent with the assignment. You know, today... God has given us the opportunity to train pastors and help pastors. And I tell people, it's not something I intentionally, you know what, I'm going to do ministry, then I'm going to start training pastors. No, it's not something that I intentionally set out to do. I just stay faithful to my assignment and the Lord opens the doors to the, where that is concerned. You know, uh, uh, there's a young pastor that uh, I've been mentoring for some time up in the north. He's got a church in Makodi. He's got a... Uh, I'm almost a 250-member church in Makodi runs two services. And I never knew I was such an influence over his life until he called, he called me yesterday. So, you know, sometimes in life, you don't know how far your faithfulness will go in helping other people find the purpose for their lives. And that's why you need to stay faithful. Okay? You need to stay with your assignment. And don't drift. Don't be backsliding. You know, sometimes we feel somebody who is backsliding is somebody who is not coming to church again and uh, maybe doing all kinds of stuff. No. If I take five steps, right? One, two, three, four, five. Assuming this is five steps. If I take one step backward, am I front sliding or backsliding? I'm backsliding. I don't have to go all the way. You don't have to see me all the way here and say, ah, pastor has backslided. No. Backsliding simply means that you're taking a step back. You're sliding backwards. It's not back running, it's backsliding. Because it might not be very obvious. Just dropping those little commitments. I'll pray tomorrow. Ah, I'm giving too much. Ah, it's not that bad. You know, 
You know, that's, that's what it really is. Just sliding back gradually because that's what, what the word drifting means. The word drift means to be carried slowly by a current of air or water. Carried slowly. Emphasis is on slowly. Nobody backslides. I wanted to say fastly. <laughs> Nobody backslides that quick. Right? It's slowly. Just, just a little drop. Nobody, you know, nobody getting into sin with their two feet and just plunging. It's just little. Just, just a little. It's a little lie here. And then you start some people asking you all kinds of questions when you want to justify lie. If somebody runs into your house and somebody has a knife and the person wants to kill, kill that person, the person I ask you, is the person in your house, what will you say? Have you heard those kind of questions? You know that if you answer that question, the person will say, uh-huh. if you will say the person is not here, so the person will be alive, then that's why Jesus never answered the Pharisees. Most times you must understand when people are asking you questions to learn or they are asking you questions so they can justify something they want to do. Once you know that this question is to justify something, they don't deserve an answer. Praise God. Are, are you still here? To, be, to drip means to be carried slowly by a current of air or water. Or a continuous slow movement from one place to another. The thing I want you to pay attention to today is this doesn't happen fast. It's slowly. It's slowly. It's, it's not very... Sometimes it might not be obvious. Little offense here and there. Hmm? You know that's how people stop, stop coming to church, right? They, they are very active. Then they say, I don't want to talk. Then they keep quiet. Hmm? Then if they were sitting in the front, they moved to the back. Ah, I'm okay here. No, I'm okay. okay. After all, we started this church. Let new people stay in the front. Then they move to the back. Then they stay on the back row. Sorry if you are staying on the back row today. Not referring to you. <laughs> Don't worry, I have all my workers and my staff at the back row. Those ones are faithful. Hmm? They stay at the back row. Then they now come when nobody can greet them. Right? Come in the midst of the praises. And before you share the grace, they are out. Say, ah, if nobody talk to me, I will not talk to anybody. It's not trouble. I came to serve my God. Not a problem. And then afterwards, they skip midweek. God is in my heart. God sees my heart. And afterwards, Sunday service. And before you know, they are out. It's slowly. Hmm? Your fervent, your heart, your heart is for revival. God send a revival. God send a revival. After a while, God send out a car. Just leave revival. Send a car. My enemies are too much. And then your passion for the kingdom begins to shift. I'll tell you this. We can find every excuse in this world not to be committed to God. You can find it if you want it. And at the same time, you can find every excuse in this world to be on fire for God. Praise God. So to drift means to do what? To be a continuous slow movement from one place to another. Go to Proverbs chapter 3 verse 21. Thank you Lord. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 21. Ah man, God is good. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 21. I want you to go back to your commitment. Don't forget this lesson in a hurry. Okay? Get back to where you started from. Let your fire, 
Let your fire be on fire. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 21. My son, let them not vanish from your sight. Keep sound wisdom and direction. Uh, discretion, sorry. What's the word vanish? The, the, uh, the King James Version uses the word depart. You know, if something vanishes from your sight, what, what's the concept of it? You were seeing it before, right? Right? And then you're no longer seeing it. Not, not like a willy-willy dimension, right? You, you know what willy-willy is? I don't know if that's true, but, but you all know what willy-willy is. Exactly. Not that quick. Actually, to vanish from sight is like when you're driving, right? And you see someone. Maybe I'm driving right now, and I see my brother, and then I keep driving. Right? What's going to happen after a while? Talk to me. What's going to happen after a while? I won't see him again. Let's use the Bible word. What's going to happen to him? He will vanish from my sight. What's making him vanish from my sight? I'm making progress in an opposite direction. Are you still here? Right. So he is here and I see him. If I stay here, I'll keep seeing him. But if I keep making steps this way, what's going to happen after a while when I look at my left? He is actually going to do what? Vanish from my sight. Now, pay close attention to that. That's why I said it's not like in the willy-willy dimension. If he vanishes from my sight, it doesn't mean that he's not existing anymore. What it just means is I have moved. So when people drift, it's not as if prayer is not relevant anymore. They moved from the place of prayer. It's not as if giving or soul winning and all of those things are not important anymore. They just move away from it. They just move away from it. That's why I tell everybody, one of the greatest things you should never lose in your life is your hunger for God. Don't lose it. Don't be too quickly satisfied with that. Don't, don't lose it. Don't lose it. Are you following this? Don't lose your passion for the local church. Don't lose your passion for the things of God. And let's look at some things that will make us lose our passion for God. Or some things that will make us fall from our first love. Now we're going to read. Let's just read from the outline if you have it. Mark chapter 4 verse 15 to 19. Because I want to use the amplified version. Is the parable of the sower when he went to sow the seed. So, you can switch to the Amplified Version. I don't know if you have the old Amplified here or the Amplified Classic. But I listed ten things from there that, uh, that makes people to drift away from their first love. Verse 15. The ones along the path are those who have the word sown in their hearts. So, remember... What Paul said in the book of Hebrews chapter 2 verse 1, he says we must not allow these things to, we must pay earnest attention to these things we have heard. So these people we're referring to now are people who have heard the word of God before. Don't be a former Christian. You know there are people who say that when I used to pray. Don't ever say that. Huh? Ah, when I used to really, really follow God. What are you doing now? God forbid, don't ever say that. You shouldn't have that testimony. Hmm? In those days. Huh? 
This is not fire. When we used to burn. So what are you doing now? The life. You see, when the Bible says the power of the just shines brighter and brighter until the perfect day, it's not just talking about the blessing. Right? It's talking about increasing in your walk with God. The anointing of God on your life should increase. The reach of God in your life should increase. The understanding of God's word in your life should increase. Are you hearing what I'm saying? What you're doing for God should increase. Your giving should increase. Your commitment, your passion should increase. Look at this. It says, The ones along the path, those who have the word sown in their hearts, but when they hear, Satan comes at once, and by force takes away the message which is sown in their hearts. So if you're using your outline, you'll see that uh, those, some words are in bold. Verse 16, and in the same way, the ones sown upon stony ground are those who, when they hear the word at once, receive and accept it and welcome it with joy. I like these ones. They are the preach on, pastor. Ride on. Ooh, go deeper, papa. Wow. Ooh, Jesus. Rema. Revelation. Wow. God. 17, and they have no real roots in themselves. You know, sometimes you wonder why the excitement in church doesn't transfer home. Roots. Hmm? Awesome worship. Majesty, oh God, oh Father. <laughs> Hear the word. Man, our church rocks. <laughs> and then go home and open your pot. Say, is this life? <laughs> I, I'm, I mean, and then depression starts. And then Wednesdays, I'm not coming. After I've been serving God, what is the evidence that I've been serving God? And now the evidence that you've been serving God, you're looking for is fish in your pot. No roots. <laughs> so they endure for a little while. Hmm? Just what can take you from here on the bus home. And when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, they immediately are offended. Mm? Become displeased, indignant, resentful, and they stumble and fall away. Look at that. They stumble and fall. Come offended because of the word. Uh, Next month, uh, a a, a pastor in Tampa, Florida, the U.S., asked us to come do a healing broadcast on his show on on Facebook. So we're going to do a healing meeting together, two weeks. And I was studying around, uh, along the lines of healing in preparation for that meeting. And I came across the testimony of a partner of Brother Copeland. The guy had, had one terrible disease. I don't know what the disease is, is named, but had a terrible disease. And he wasn't getting healed. It was peanut blood and all of that. He's taking the word and everything. One day he went out to use the restroom and blood came out. And you know what? He just said to me, he said, you know what, Satan? Whether I'm healed or not, even if I, in quote, die with this sickness, one thing you will never get out of my mouth is the fact that I'm not healed. 2,000 years ago, God gave me my healing and I received my healing. He defied and immediately he made that confession in that way to say, you know what? (laughs) I don't even care if this thing physically lives, but I'm healed. And I stay committed to that. His healing began. What am I talking about? Being resilient. 
Not allowing things that come upon you because of the word push you out. Verse 18. And the ones sown among the tongues are those who hear the word. Then the cares and anxiety of the world and distractions of the age. And the pleasure and the light and false glamour and deceitfulness of riches. And the craving and passionate desire for other things creep in and choke and suffocate the word. And it becomes fruitless. God's word will always work. Say that with me. Say God's word will always work. Say it one more time. Say God's word will always work. Yeah. If the word is not working, then it has to do with us. The word has been tried seven times. It's been tried. It's been proven. Praise God. So, let's look at ten things that, will, that makes people to, to drift away from their first love. The first one is Satan. Satan. In Daniel chapter 7, and if you read verse 18 downwards, you can just write it down in front of your notes. Daniel seven eighteen, It says that Satan attempts to weary the saints, to wear them out. Satan attempts... To wear the saints out. You see, one of the things you must recognize about Satan is that he is more concerned about you not fulfilling the purpose of God, praise God, than, than anything else. If you read down, Daniel 7 18, Satan will wear you out, he will come after you from one attack to the other. He would want to wear you out. He want to sow the seed of offense in your heart. And we've got to watch that. He wants to wear the saints out. Satan wants to make you tired. You stay in the fight. Because you already have the victory. I said you stay in the fight because you already have the victory. Amen. Don't let the devil steal the word from your hearts. Don't let the devil steal the word from your heart. Help me tell your neighbor, do not let the devil steal the word from your heart. That's the target of the enemy. He wants to get the word from your heart. And that's why you realize, how many of you realize every time you want to study the Bible, you feel sleepy? Do I have witnesses? It's not normal. Yeah, it's not. I'm not saying it's demonic. I'm just saying it's not normal. Which actually means it's abnormal. And you realize that when you now say, oh, you don't want to study the Bible again. You just want to watch a movie. All your senses will come alive. The enemy knows that putting the word of God in... And, and you know, as, as simple as it is, studying the Bible is difficult for people. Are you hearing? That's why all the people who say we are going to finish the Bible this year by February, they've missed. They just say next year, 2022. <laughs> Satan comes after the word. I taught a message here on what is Satan after in your life. And I taught you that he's after the word. He's after the word taught you. He's after the word sown in your heart. Praise God. Number two. No personal debts. There's no roots. 
Colossians chapter 2 and verse 7. Colossians 2, 7. When you don't have death and root in your heart, you can, it can cause you to drift easily. It says, having been firmly rooted and now been built up in Him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude, God wants you to be rooted and to be built up. God wants you to be rooted and to be built up. Rooted, grounded in the things of God. Grounded in the things of God. Coloss- uh, Ephesians 3.17 says that we've been rooted and grounded in the love of God. God wants you grounded. Be a believer that is rooted. Develop your roots so you don't drift easily. Hallelujah. Put your roots down. Get the word and be firmly rooted. Get your roots in the word. Spend time in the word. I can tell you how that will change your life. You know, I think one of the things that haven't helped us a lot in the body of Christ is we have sold a a Christian version that is devoid of problems. Hmm? So you hear things like, Sweatless triumph. Right? You hear things like what? What are those things you have been hearing before? Uh, things like what? 24 hour miracle. Um, what's that? Overnight success. What's that? Some of those words, right? And so, when we come into challenges, it's always looking like something is wrong with us. How many of you agree with what I'm saying? Hmm? When troubles hit, it's like, oh, what did you do? Did you break the covenant? (laughs) And somehow, we have a way of taking the goodness and the mercy of God in our life to oppress other people in the church. Are you going to see how how big my faith is? I got two cars. If you have faith, you will have a car. This is bad news. There's always trouble in this world. The good news is Jesus has made us victorious. That amen didn't look like that was good news. That looked like a bad news. I said the good news is that Jesus has made us victorious. That's better. I I mean, I went to Ghana. There were a lot of prophets there that do fire, fire. I'm going to copy one of those shout fire seven times. <laughs> I mean, that takes a lot of time. Before you shout fire seven times, five minutes is gone. Alright, so, if we don't have roots, we will drift easily. Have you ever seen when the rain falls? Have you seen water lilies? Is it water lily now or water hyacinth? Which of them is it? Both of them, alright? What happens when the waves come? They drift. But if you stay around the creeks and you see those roots, those trees in the creek, that same water comes. What happens? Doesn't drift. Do you drift? Do you have roots? Or everything about Christianity is just the excitement in church. So if you don't have roots, you will 
not have death. You will not be stabilized. The next thing is when trouble or persecution comes because of the word. Hmm? When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, then you back out. You have to have a steel, an iron steel spine and tell the devil, you are not running me out. I believe God's word concerning my life. You know, one thing I like so much is Job chapter 1 verse 22. I like Job. I like the story of Job, not because of what he went through, but I like how he went through it. Job chapter 1 and verse... You know, many people don't like to read Job. Eh? They don't like the story of Job. <laughs> Job is an interesting man. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Job is an epic example of what it means to be someone who is a son of God. Remember, Job did not have the Bible to read about Job. Let's read verse 1. I like this about Job. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. Look at how the man was described. That man was blameless, was upright, fearing God, and turning away from evil. What a description. What, what a way to describe a man. <laughs> Wouldn't you like to marry this man? Man is blameless. He is upright. He's, he, he, he's fearing God. And he turns away from evil. What a description. And then, you thought the guy would be broke. Busted and disgusted because he was fearing God. The man was loaded. Next verse. Seven sons. Three daughters were born to him. He had 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, very many servants. They didn't even put a number to that. And that man was the greatest man of all the men in the East. What a description. Two verses that mean if these two verses come to pass in your life, why will you come to church? I mean, blameless, upright, Yes, God, turn away from evil. You even have 300 female donkeys. Who does that? Blessed of God. Massive possessions. Next verse. His sons used to go and hold a feast in the house of each one on his day, birthday, and they would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. What else? You are not going to employment bureau. These guys were loaded. Just feast on your birthday. And all of that. But then the challenges came. This is the one I don't like. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan also came among them. The Lord said to Satan, From where do you come? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From roaming about on the earth, walking around it. This should not be an example of your life. Movement without purpose. The Lord said to Satan, Have you considered... My servant Job. Can you see the introduction of God? For there is no one like him on the earth. Can, can you imagine if God introduced you to someone? And, and not just introducing someone. God is introducing you to Satan. Like, do you know him? There's nobody like him on the earth. Job inspires me. You think God will introduce you today like that? Well, he can't because of the blood of Jesus. But before the blood. <laughs> I mean, Satan 
preached your name and told God. Do you know it? God says, Yeah. <laughs> he used to be in church, but he's drifted. That's why Jesus had to come for us, so we can be the righteousness of God in Christ. And that's why we have to be grateful for the new covenant. We are grateful for the redemptive power of God. We're grateful for the blood of Jesus. We're grateful for His grace and His mercy. Praise God. Because in the old covenant, you are blameless in the old covenant, then you are really blameless. For there is no one like him on the earth, a blameless and an upright man, fearing God and turning away from evil. Then Satan answered the Lord, Does Job fear God for nothing? You've made an edge about him and his house and all that he has on every side. You've blessed the works of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. Satan gives us an insight, a behind the scene insight into the life of Job. But you know, all those issues happen. Satan came. Now, you know, when we're reading this, right? Interesting story. Now, imagine all of those interesting stories in your head. All the camels gone in one day. Kids gone in one day. Wife shows up and says, just cause God and die. I'm ready to fill the widow's form. Everything gone, like gone. Let me tell you. You will not even see... I mean, you will, if, if your wife said, you know, cause God and I said, I'm, it's the causes I'm preparing actually. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I don't need the encouragement to cause God. I'm, I'm looking at which cause I will use for him now. Because I tell you, most of us can't go through one-tenth of what Job went through. Most of us lost just a bit of money. Oof, no church service. Nothing. Girl, you want to marry breaks your heart? You break from the church. As if we're responsible for that. <laughs> Preach a message you don't like, get upset. But look at this. Verse 22. Oh, this is amazing. Through all this, Job did not sin, nor did he blame God. What, what, a, what, a, what a man. He didn't blame God. What happens when people get into troubles and persecution? They blame God all the time. All the time we blame God. All the time. We always blame the Lord for what we're going through. But the Bible says in all of this, Job did not sin, nor did he blame God. When you go through challenges, you blame God. Oh God, why, where were you when this happened because I traveled? We blame God. And what even happened is not compared. Do you know what it means? To, it's like saying you are the richest man in the world. And in one day, you became the poorest man in the world. And you say you won't blame God. I mean, you will blame God. But you see, troubles makes people to drift away. Most people who backslid from the church backslided when they're going through personal issues. And that's what the enemy does. When crisis comes on your life, he encourages you to withdraw from the church. Nobody will understand. Let me sort this problem and I'll come back. And you never sort it. Never sort it. That's why the Christian faith was designed to be lived in communities, not isolation. Are you hearing what I'm saying? 
And then you begin to say, if the church really cares, they will know what I'm going through. How do we know? And then that same person, I don't want to take, take my problem to anybody because the last time I took my problem in my former church, that is I was not hearing my problem from the pulpit. It's just because your pastor had nothing to preach. There are 66 books here. Enough to occupy me for the rest of my life. Your problem doesn't make a topic. Are you hearing this? And all those are lies. What is the enemy trying to do? To isolate you. Because once you are isolated, you can be destroyed. These are the things that make us to drift. The next one is offense. Offense will come. People will act right. People will act wrongly. You have to be careful about that. Right? Offense will cause you to drift. We're looking at the little things that make us to drift from our first love. Once people get offended, they begin to pull back from either relationships, local church, giving, whatever it is. So in your life, you have to constantly look. And one of the, 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 the ways I learned to overcome offense is to pray the blessing of God on those who offend me. And I do it all the time. Once I see a heart in my heart concerning someone, I take time to pray that God will bless them. I might not start praying meaning it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm praying that God will bless them, but in my heart, really, I want that blessing to be changed to a curse. You know? I mean, it's normal. Once you're offended with someone, I say, oh God, bless them. You're like, bless them in such a way that that blessing will break their head. <laughs> you know? But if you, if you keep doing that in faith, What's going to happen is after a while, the Holy Spirit will help you. The love of God will begin to overwhelm you. See, even as pastors, we have to practice this thing. Don't think that, you know, because I'm a pastor, I don't offend people, people don't offend. I have to act the word. Have you seen some pastors who are so bitter in the pulpit? You, and the, you just, I won't make pastor this today. Wait here. <laughs> the man is preaching, but you know that that message is coming out of... Eh? You be, I will lay cause on you people. You know, just don't do that. Don't do that. Are you following this? So, what, what is the pastor supposed to do at that time? Is to also feed on the word of love. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And act the word. As a pastor, you have the temptation to be offended. You, people will offend you. You will even offend people. You have, to, you have to live on the word. You have to live the word, actually. Praise the name of the Lord. Let me tell you who a pastor is. Okay? If you were in class, um, and you had class monitors, or class prefects, some, some schools use the word prefect, some use the word monitors, some use the word class captains. You are the same person. Okay? Now, if you are a class captain, or a class prefect, or a class monitor, and uh, you had a mathematics teacher, and then he gives you uh, mathematics uh, classwork, now, it doesn't mean that because you are the class captain, you don't have to do the classwork. Is that what it means? I'm not talking of in an abnormal society. Because in an abnormal society, once you are class captain, they say, no, no, you are the monitor. I say, no, no, just bring the other ones. That's, that's abnormal. In a normal society, what happens? The only thing is that you are responsible for gathering the notes of other people, responsible for the relationship of the students, but that does not exempt you from paying school fees. That does not exempt you from doing the, um, the mathematics equation, right? If you fail, you will be a former class captain while your mate will go to the next class. It's the same thing. The fact that you're a pastor doesn't stop you from having to act on the word. 
There is no, God will just say, oh, because you are a pastor, don't, don't act on this. Just go ahead, I'll promote you that way. No, God doesn't do that. Praise God. The next thing is the cares and anxiety of this world. The cares and the anxiety of this world. It makes people to drift away. There is so much of this world. Cares, anxiety. There is pressure in this world. Oh, you are this age by now. You should have had this by now. Is it one of the things I'm learning to talk to myself every day and the message I'm preaching to myself and preaching to my family every day is contentment, 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 contentment. Stay happy with what God is giving to you as you believe Him for more. This world will put pressure on you. Nothing is enough. Nothing. Hmm? Nothing is enough. That's the truth. Contentment. What has God given to you? What has God blessed you with? Stay happy in the journey. Stay happy in the journey. The cares of this world. Makes people to drift. You keep thinking, oh, how can I do this? 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 Before you know, your commitment to God is suffering. Before you know, anxiety is building up in you. Before you know, you know, you are, oh, as a man, a man by now, if I'm a real man, and all of those things, why, why, what's, what's your problem? I, I've learned to be content. Even in ministry, I see pressure in ministry. Ah, absolute pressure. A, a pastor, last, before the COVID, reached out to me and was asking me for counseling. He was asking me about taking a loan to do something. I told him, don't, don't take a loan to do it. I wanted to do something in the church. Then there was no COVID. And then the COVID hit. He sent me a message back and said, thank you. You saved my life and saved my ministry. Why the pressure? I see young people in ministry, damn, all kinds of pressure. Huh? Lying wonders. Saying things that are not true just to impress people to get into your church. Why would you do that? Why would you do that? Cares of this world. Hmm? You are not married. Pressure. You get married. Pressure. Huh? You have two children. Say two is not enough. Say you have two guys. Say no. Who will carry your name? If you're looking for who to carry your name, write it on a paper, put it on an airplane, and every time that airplane flies, your name flies with it. Eh? How can a man not have a man? Pressure. Say, so, oh, you know, some of you are like that, right? In my family, my father did not give so much. So, for this family to be large, you are not the one responsible for the expansion of the family. Genesis 1.26. Have dominion, be fruitful. And replenish the earth. And the family doesn't train the children for you. Hmm? Treasures. You have girls. You are looking for boy. Looking for boy. Looking for boy. Six, six children now. Still looking for boy. You will look what you, you get what you're finding. Then you get the boy at the ninth child. They are responsibility. What pushed you into that? Cares of this world. It must be a bigger car. It must be a bigger house. Isn't it amazing? How many of you got excited when you bought a very good TV? Don't raise your hand. But flat screen TV, you got excited. How many of you? Hmm? Raise your hand in your heart. You can see your heart. 
I ask you now, who has time to be watching the TV? Hmm? And you know what they have done now? They've gone to bend that TV now. They just went to bend it. Say it's curved TV. <laughs> then you know what you do? After four years, they'll bend it back. Yeah, they'll bend it back after four years. Then after nine years, they'll straighten it again. And they'll just put a figure inside. LED XI. Crystal clear pictures. <laughs> Trouble. And, <laughs> and the pursuit of that is why you're not in church. You walk on Sunday, Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening, Sunday night. Even when you are sleeping, you are in, on the sides. So you get up tired. More money. You know, when we wish people birthday now, we must add money to it. More money to your account. More money to your account. <laughs> if you are not happy today, you won't be happy tomorrow. Okay? Stay happy on this journey. Are you hearing what I'm saying? This life, eh, it will frustrate you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If you cannot buy the real Gucci, go to Abba and look for those ones that is shiny. You know those ones, you can't miss them. And buy. And comfort yourself in the comfort of the Lord. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Just stay happy. Stay happy. I'm, I mean, if you walk around me, things hardly stress me. The things hardly, hardly stress me. Because number one, if I pass on today, I know I will go home to be with the Lord. That's, the, that's my greatest aim in life. If that one is assured, everything else is temporary. Everything else. Whether it's church, whether it's people, whether it's money, it's temporary. These, don't allow these things make you drift. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Your spiritual life is what is important. You know, I, I, I talked about the healing school I want to do with uh, Dr. Tade next week, next month. He said something as we were preparing, we, we did a test broadcast. He said, you know what, I'm a medical doctor. And he studied medicine. He's in the U.S. And he said, you know what, sometimes I tell people there is nothing I can do to help you. And he said, at that point, we've come to the limits of our knowledge. He says, but at that point, I refer them to the word. That's a doctor speaking. Are you hearing this? That he comes to a point where he tells people, I can't help you. Only God can. And you, at this stage of your life, you are being taught the word of God. You would leave this word. And go and pursue. What about if you have the money and the doctor does not have the solution? What happens? But the scripture says, My word is health to your flesh and medicine to your bone. Feed yourself the word. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Have time for God's word, it will help you. Don't drift. The next one is the distraction of the age. Distractions of the age. Hmm? Social media. <laughs> I was, I was thinking of something uh, yesterday. You know, it's almost like there is, a, there is a story, there's always a story on social media that's occupying everybody, right? All you need to do is go online and then you see everybody talking about something. And uh, go off for a week. 
You won't know what's happening. Come back. Another story will pop up. And you know, some of us are, uh, we, we, we're not good with reading. But when these stories come up, we're good with research. I want to find out the truth of this matter. This, this matter is not clear to me. Okay? Okay? So you're on Instagram, you're on Twitter, you're on the hashtag. I want the roots, be, be digging for the roots. Instead of you to be rooted in Christ, you are rooted in matters trending on social media. Now, what happens? After that is solved or unsolved, and thank God for the kind of country we have, whatever happens, then next week another matter comes. And you realize that all your life you are pursuing trending issues. Smithug also said, I don't need to read the newspaper. All the bad news that ever will happen, I've read them in the Word of God. Take a pause. Don't be distracted. You know, <laughs> yesterday evening, I think we got back home. So myself and my wife were on my phone. That's when I saw what was happening around in recent time. Because I was getting ready for my meeting. So I was going through my phone. I was going through my phone. So one of us just looked at ourselves like, ah, you know what? We spent like 30 minutes on this phone. Right? We just dropped it and went and gone. And that's how it happens. Hmm? They're just on the phone. And the way it's been programmed, the algorithm, whatever is in your interest, suggestions are coming. Even they'll tell you, you have not finished watching this video. See, let me just finish it. <laughs> you know, anything you are not paying for, you are the product. Don't think Facebook is free. They are making money off all those things you link. You are making someone rich. The time you spend there, you are making someone rich. So, you are actually working for somebody. while devaluing your life? I will talk about that next month when I am teaching wisdom for living. The time you spend there, you are lessening your value. You are increasing somebody's net worth in the market. It's not, there is nothing free in this world. Nobody likes you like that to be giving you free profile. So, as you are spending time, somebody is getting rich. You are devaluing your time, except you're doing social media marketing or something there. But that's it. So you're there. Hours gone. Hours gone. Before you know, you now stumble on somebody who is criticizing pastors. Who is, yeah, is he in a tree? Mm. Mm. I saw it. How can they do this? How can they And then you have entered. You now insult men of God, insult everybody. Say no. Somebody now say, even going to church is a scam. Say yes. I said it. Not the Bible. Distraction. Huh? Or you find semi-pornography there that looks like comedy skits. Because every comedy skit now has to look at a woman's butt or a woman's breast or somebody sleeping with somebody. You are trying to catch somebody and trying to catch somebody. And I, I, I told my wife that. With what has happened in the world recently, in our country recently, you see people are now making jokes about that now. Say, oh, sugar daddies are retired. This is the, and, and it did make a joke of adultery. It softens your heart. You take it as a joke. What should be outright sin? Say, oh, one man down, one man down. Retire, retire. <laughs> and and we, we're laughing. And that's sin. But you know what, what the enemy does? Softens our heart. It's a joke. It's okay. Let's just retire now. They have caught us. Then we strategize. Then we go out again. It's okay. And Christian women are fine. Sharing it. One man down. One man down. Back to base. Back to base. Say, Pastor, how did you see it? I saw it on your status. You showed me. Are you following this now? Now, we laugh about it. But that's something we shouldn't laugh about. And then we wonder down the line, 
why those things become common. Because we open the door of our hearts and we drift. And we think it's just a joke. Ah, it's funny. And so you see, everything that is negative, the enemy makes a joke out of it, it deadens our conscience. That's why I said bye-bye to comedy. I don't do comedy anymore. Dead is our hearts, all of this. It's just, ah, it's, 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 it's not serious. Ah, it's just like, it's just playing. Okay. But no information leaves you the same. So when you respond to that information, you don't respond to it because the word of God says it's sin. You respond to it because it's a joke. Distraction. Sports can be destructive. Yeah, it can be. I know I like sports. <laughs> Someone asked me yesterday, have you been watching the Euros? I said, no. Don't even. I know they are playing Euros, but I, didn't, I don't have time, really. Those guys are making money. They won't be using my passion. It's supposed to be something that is a hobby. It's not, it's not an appointment. Are you hearing this? You know, when we were children and we are playing World Cup, we go and buy World Cup uh, map that I used to sell. You know all those World Cup something we pay, we do, we, 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 we fight. We, see, when you are a child, you do, but as you grow older, you realize that win or lose does not affect you in any way. Especially us in this side, because we never win it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The only one we win is under under 19 that our under 37 are playing. You understand what I'm saying? Even you, you know that. Listen, you, you can't be 19 now. 19, I are using four shaving stick. Alright? I, I understand this. Sports. It can, it can pull your heart. It might look like this is a tough message or a judgmental message, but you need to watch those things. Are you following what I'm saying? Those little hobbies that take your time away so you're not spending time in the Word. You're not spending time in the Word. Just little things, just distraction here and there. Before you know, that's consumed so much of your time. You don't have time anymore. Pleasure. False glamour. False glamour. Hmm? Showmanship. Just glamour everywhere. There is a, let me tell you this, there is a soberness that goes with the Christian faith. There is a soberness that goes with, you see, there is a soberness that we mustn't lose. What happened is this, right? Brother Higgin Wallace says, staying in the middle of the road is a tough ask. We came from a place where it is strict, we felt it was too strict, you understand what I'm saying? And then we went into a place where there are no boundaries and there are no liberties anymore. No. There is soberness with the Christian faith. I'll give you an example. Early days, if you come to church very early, what do people do? Eh? Come on. How many of you went to church in those days? What do people do when they come to church early? Just carry the Bible. Kalada. What do you used to do? Kneel down and pray. Carry the Bible, pray. Waiting on God for that day. Come on, what happens now when we come back? Come today? Early? Jesus. Selfie. Stay stay my back. Stay my back. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing wrong with that. It's part of fellowship. But probably that should come last, not first. Because when we come, we're waiting for the word from the Lord. You know, it's not only me that will give the word of the Lord. What about if you stay so attentive to the Holy Ghost and God puts a word in your heart for a brother? Have you ever thought that maybe God is depending on you? To help someone today in church. 
And if you're not sensitive, you, you understand what I'm trying to say? There's a soberness that also comes with the Christian faith. We rejoice, we're happy, but there's an attentiveness that comes with the Christian faith that makes us open to the Lord. Praise God. Deceitfulness of riches. Nine. This one is big. Hmm? Riches can deceive you. Matthew 6, 24, you cannot serve two masters. You know, sometimes you feel when you have money, God is pleased with you. Right? So money can deceive you. Because with money, especially in a society like us, you can do a lot of things. So you just feel that, I'm fine, I'm okay. Money can be deceptive. You have to watch it. You really have to watch it. Especially when the Lord begins to prosper you, you might begin to take some things for granted. Let me, I, I, I made this some time ago. And, and, and it, it, I was meditating on the scripture and it came to me. You realize that probably if Jonah was poor, he would have obeyed God easily. Have we thought about that? That he disobeyed God because he had transport money to pay his way. <laughs> you never thought about that, right? Had he didn't have money to pay for the boat fare, you know he would have been there. Eh? But he had enough money to go to Tashi. Sometimes your prosperity, you can pay your way out of God's will. You go where God doesn't want you to go. That's why sometimes it gets difficult for people to hear God when they have started prospering because they can do everything. You can just buy anything. You can go anywhere. You can spend money the way you like. You don't even consult God anymore. Can I do this? Should I do this? You can just give anyhow. You just say, don't worry, I'll sort it. I'll sort it. I'll sort it. And maybe that guy, God is working on something in his life regarding trusting. But you, I shall die. You are thinking about God's title. Do you know the Lord can still speak to you about who to give and who not to give? Yeah, the Lord can still speak to you about that. Do you even pray about it anymore? No, you don't. Why? You have the money. You are loaded. Too loaded to fail. So the will of God doesn't matter anymore. You are your own man now. So these are, you know, money can become a destructive tool from the purpose of God. Are you following this? Deceitfulness of riches deceives people. When you are rich, you, you can become proud and not, not, you don't know it. Hmm? You can look down, you can begin to look down on people. You can begin to, when you get into a gathering of people, you look for your level. And yet you are a believer. You can begin to condescend and talk down on people. And see people doing certain jobs you feel are not up to standard and you, you carry yourself in a way. <laughs> Always remind yourself that these things are temporal. Are you hearing this? And don't be deceived by them. Don't be deceived by them. You know, you can have money and decide... You want to punish your pastor? Yeah, you can decide that. We will not give. Let's see. No, you, you know, not, not for someone like me. Ah, no. That punishment does not work. That's the truth. <laughs> because as much as I appreciate people sowing into my life, God is my source. You can decide if people don't do what you say. You can begin to use money to manipulate people. Hmm? Begin to use money to play politics in your family. Just cover that. Ah, I want my father. No, okay. 
You now begin to spend on one person. On spend. You now become a politician. Deceitfulness of riches. It's carried away. Especially in a society like, like ours that money sits as God. Sometimes both even in the church. So a wealthy man walks into church. It's not consistent in Bible studies. It's not consistent anywhere. But it becomes a deacon. And here you are like my brother. Ride your bicycle every day. Though I say like my brother. I won't mention his name. <laughs> huh? Show your bicycle. You are there midweek service. Even when there is no service. You come and check whether church is open in advance. And you never become a deacon. That's the situation of riches. Because if you even check the qualification of who should be a leader in church, it should not be someone who loves money. That's what the Bible says. I'm not saying the person should not have, but should not love. So you need to check that. You can have and not love, you cannot have and love. So, But there's, an, there's a prescribed scriptural attitude to money, where money is concerned. Let me tell you this. And I'll tell you this. If you really want to walk in real prosperity with God, never boast about your wealth. Genuine people whom the Lord has really blessed are very humble because they know that what they have is the grace and the mercy of God. And don't feel that being flamboyant is what true riches is. Many people are blessed who are not flamboyant. And they do things you're not even aware of. And that's why one of the greatest disservice we have done to Christianity is this public good we have introduced into Christianity that when you want to do anything, it must be put out there. It's against the very ethics of the Christian faith. The Bible says if we give in secret, He will reward us openly. Follow God's scriptures. Give in secret. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yeah. Number 10. Craving and passionate desire for other things. Craving and passionate desire for other things. Okay? So sometimes your desire for other things can make you drift. Even in ministry. I don't want to let it not be like we're talking about just things. Even in ministry. Do you know someone can drift from the call of God in their life because they want to be someone else? God has called you to be a Bible teacher. You want to be a prophet. You walk out of your calling. There's a renowned minister like that. Um, he's not a modern teacher. Way back. Revivalist. He was called to be a prophet of God. But he wanted to teach. Started teaching things that were false. He drifted from his call. You can convert things that God is not giving to you. Why don't we learn to stay where God is calling us to? If God has called you for a specific assignment, stay there. You know, many times as I travel, things happen and people try to attribute all kinds of names. And I'm very careful to let them know, no, 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 that's where the Lord has called me to. There are things that will happen by the mercy and the grace of God and people will want to use that to attribute certain things. I'll, I'll give you a typical example. In, in this night, last trip in Ghana, we had some very solid miracles. I mean, very, very solid miracles, instantaneous miracles happen. And then, I went to visit a, a, a brother who were in the office of a, of, of, of a man and the man was counseling the girl and told the girl these very exact words. You are at a crossroad and the Lord is the only one that can give you direction. So we just walked into the office. I didn't hear that. So when you say, oh, this is a pastor from Nigeria, you, you know, and just everything, and said I should pray for the girl before she leaves so that we can have our discussion. So I, I laid my hands on the girl, and those exact phrases came out of my mouth. That in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you are at a crossroad, and only the Lord will give you direction. The girl opened the eyes. He opened the exact phrase, the exact words. Okay? I can stand up from there now and decide to say I'm a prophet. 
That's drifting. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So sometimes you can convert things that will make you popular, but that's not what God wants for you. Contentment is a good word in the Christian faith. Not mediocrity, but we're content. Thank God for what God has called you to do. And stay where God has called you to do. What are the steps to recovery? Remember. Remember where you are fallen from. We're wrapping up now. Remember. Okay? Remember how you used to burn for God. Remember how you used to pray. Remember how you used to listen to what? To messages. Remember. How many of you can remember? Alright. Remember. Okay? Remember your commitment to God. Remember how you used to be passionate about the things of God. How you used to give to the kingdom. Remember. Then number two. Repent. Okay? To remember and not to repent is to waste your time. When the prodigal son remembered how he used to eat, you know that's how he went back home. He said, ah, the man said, ah! <laughs> Even my, my father's servant do used to eat with pigs. He remembered, the man turned back. You know, some people's lives that are going scattered, if they will only remember, they can bring their way back. So, remember, then return. Then number three, restart. Everybody say, remember. remember. Say, repent. repent. And the next one, say, restart. restart. Yeah. So, you remember where you've fallen from. You repent, which is a call for decisive action. The Greek word means to re- re- to repent, to reconsider, to think differently, change your mind. Repentance must accompany, there must be a lifestyle change. And then, restart. What that, does that mean? Start again. Restart. Start again. Romans 12:11 Never lag in zeal be aglow with the spirit serve the lord amen thank you lord i want after this series let's get back hmm? let's get back to your first commitment the enemy must not catch us drifting we must not give him a foothold are you with me we must not give him a foothold in our life can we Pray for a few minutes. My word, come on, keyboard. Let's pray. Let's come together before the Lord and say, Lord, we remember, we repent, and we restart. Can you, can you be on your feet if you don't mind? I just want us to dedicate ourselves to God. Play something. Let's just dedicate ourselves to God again. Father, we thank you. Oh, Gibrato, Salekatoza, Mande. Father, we just come before you. Just pray. Just pray. Wherever you feel, sing a song of dedication or something. Just just for a few minutes. Just go before the Lord. I don't know where you feel things need to change. I don't know where you, even personally in my own life, I'm looking at myself and saying, Lord, where do I need to get back? This is not a message of condemnation. It's a message of a call to action. Oh, Sale Katojaman, that everybody. When the song is going on, just, just reflect. Just reflect. Just reflect. Lord, we will not go back. 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 We will push ahead. We will 
Listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. We would like to hear from you. Send us an email info at pastormax.ng or you can call 0805 888 7575. God bless you.